What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? And thank you. Thank you very much for tuning into today's episode of The Drop-In. You know, I love being here in the NRM studios and bringing this show to you every single week. It's awesome. Uh, the guests, uh, I, I can't even thank them enough. Our guests are incredible, and it, it, has been, it has been a journey, that's for sure. If you have watched this show in the past, you know we've had every different kind of person you can think of. We have, uh, I mean, Hollywood stuntmen, local entrepreneurs, you name it. They have been here in the studio with me. And uh, upcoming guests, uh, it's no different. Next week, I have Richard Kirby on the show, former professional skateboarder, now running a tattoo shop, and we're going to get his story. That's next week. The following week, I got Eric and Justin coming in from Green Man Golf. These are two punk rock skateboard dudes who started a golf company from uh, Traverse City, Michigan. And so they're going to they're gonna come in with us. Also, following that show, three weeks out, Russell Laginus. He runs the Brotherhood Recovery out of Washington State. And we've developed a friendship over the last few months. I've donated a few things to his cause. He does stuff for the homeless, uh, really focused on be- doing service work, giving back to the community. So Russell will be here in three weeks. And, and it's just, it keeps getting better. I've been talking to uh, Noah Levine, who wrote Refuge Recovery, which is a huge part of my life. And so um, so it's getting good. Trevor, Trevor, my buddy Trevor just chimed in. He'd like to come on soon. So we'll have to get you in here too, Trevor. This show today is streaming live through my Facebook page as well. And so I asked, uh, I wanted to do like a Q&A, you know, anything, anything you guys want to know. Some people private messaged me some questions. I, um, I, I said, you know, tune in, chime in. I might be looking down every once in a while because I have my phone right in front of me here. And uh, you can ask me anything. Ask me anything you want. And, and we'll see what we can do about answering that in this uh, first segment. But I just want to thank you guys so much. You know, doing the drop-in has been, uh, it's just been a huge blessing to be able to come here, to have the great people here at NRM support what I'm doing and to inspire you guys all across the globe. Uh, it, it has just been awesome. And as I'm moving along today, I'll be looking down because I see some different things coming up here. Um, and Jay Adams, past guest on the drop-in. Dude's like 6'6". Six, six. I mean, and, and he's been freaking Wrestlemania in movies all over the place and he's messaging me I got to get the guts to come out and ride a skateboard are you kidding me Jay are you kidding me the guts dude broke his back in wrestling and had to tone it down so he became a stuntman and he's saying he has to get the guts anytime man anytime you want to come on the show Jay that would be awesome Awesome. But let's start, you know, I I brought up doing this show and how much I love it. And one of the questions that uh, came into me was from uh, a young gentleman out of New York named Georgie. And he said, you know, uh, what made you start a podcast? Why did you start doing this? Why did you, what made you uh, get into this? And and it's interesting. It It very much is, Georgie, because in 2010, I was having a hard time with my hips. And they, they, they just weren't working. I, I could barely walk. And, um, and I was just having a very difficult time uh, even getting around, getting out of bed in the morning, 
my hockey career slash skateboard career, active lifestyle was catching up with me a little bit. And I knew, I knew I was addicted to adrenaline. I had to figure out something to, to, to keep the stoke going. Because if I couldn't uh, skate empty pools or go stop hockey pucks or do whatever... I had to do something, and I decided to start a show called Underground Valley, and that was in 2010, and I just wanted to interview my friends. I thought, I have the coolest friends on the planet, and so I did some research. I had to figure it out. I found um, a company that would give me an hour-long show, and this was just audio. They would give me an hour-long show uh, for free as long as it was off-peak hours, and I reached out to my friends, some people that I really knew close and some that were a little more distant, and I said, would you come on my show and tell your story? And they said, okay, and that's how I started it. It used to air at 3.30 on Wednesdays through a platform called blogtalkradio.com, and then it went out everywhere else. You can still find some of those old shows uh, through um, different so, uh, podcasting platforms. You can still find them. And I talked to everybody. It was very similar to the drop-in. I had David Nubion, who is a uh, wealth coach, uh, author. Uh, I met him at a skate park. I asked him to come on the show. John Speck was on my show. Um, a past guest that has been in these studios, Amy Chorky, was on my first uh, version of a podcast. And we had the, the honor of having her here in studio in August. You can go back and check that show out because it is amazing. But it was just I had the coolest friends on the planet. So, so let's bring them on and share their stories with as many people as possible because we all have stories. And that's how I started in the podcast world. And if you don't know the story of how I got here, it is uh, uh, Mr. Benzman, the CEO here, uh, talks about it often. Um, the, the, it's just funny. It's funny. I volunteered at TEDx Detroit a few years ago, and they have like a trade show there. And I hadn't done my podcast in a number of years, and NRM had a booth there, and I stopped and talked to Andy and Ian, and uh, they were working the booth, and I said, you know, it'd be cool to do a podcast again, and I handed them a business card. And a couple months later, next thing you know, I'm sitting at a desk, and we're talking about what I can do, and now we're a couple years in and over 100 shows, and I'm still here doing it. So it's just it, it's getting out of your comfort zone. It's doing something that you can envision that you'd like to try and at least get off the couch and try it. Um, you know, looking down at these uh, messages, what's going on, Owen? How are you? Mike Calhoun, what's up, brother man? Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I, I really do appreciate it, and I hope it's coming across smooth. If you're watching both versions, if you're watching the Facebook Live version and the NRM version, only watch one because I'm sure there's a slight delay, and it might really sound cuckoo because one of them is probably ahead of the other one. So only watch one. But thank you all for tuning in uh, to watch this live streamcast. Let me take a look at one of these questions here. Uh, let's see. Ah, uh, Mike, what's going on? He's talking about the uh, my very first pro model. Um, it was uh, when I turned pro skating, they had asked me what kind of graphic do I want on my board. And I said, I, I want Frankenstein and I want a Stanley Cup. And it's one of the only graphics I didn't draw myself. And the first board came out at a company called Stink in late 99, early 2000, somewhere in there. And the Frankenstein head was the main part. It looked like an old monster movie poster. 
And on the nose of the board was a full moon with the silhouette of the Stanley Cup because hockey was my first love. And so becoming a professional skateboarder was like my Stanley Cup, man. It was, it was the pinnacle, and I never knew if there would be another board uh, with my name on it. So it was my Stanley Cup. And we are working on a 20-year anniversary model. Phil Stone, who has been on this show, has done the artwork for uh, the 20-year anniversary model with a very similar graphic to that very first graphic I had, except that Frankenstein has a few more scars <laughs> built in because after being a, a professional skateboarder for over 20 years, um, it, 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 is, it is taking its toll. It is definitely taking its toll. And so thank you guys again for tuning in and chiming in. Um, let's get to another question here. And Katie on uh, Facebook, Katie Kranz, asked if I have any regrets. And maybe it's my Buddhism, uh, what I've evolved to become, but I don't really look at past uh, things in my past as regrets. They were things, maybe hurdles I had to get over at that time, um, and they really made me who I am today. And I, I really thought about that. I had to think because I don't regret anything. I, I've made a ton of mistakes in my life, and I continue to make mistakes. But those those opportunities, as I like to call them, uh, they, they make you who you are today. Um, if I had to pick one thing that maybe I would like to revisit is uh, after my junior hockey career, uh, I really didn't love it anymore. I, I was uh, having a hard time getting out of bed. You know, I've been in an ice rink six, seven days a week for you know, 12, 13 years, and it just, it, it wasn't fun anymore. And I decided to quit, and I had an opportunity to go play pro hockey in New York, and I decided not to do it. And sometimes I think about that, how would life have been different? I don't really regret it, but I wonder how life would have been different had I made that choice. You know, highly unlikely that the professional skateboard career would have came into play, because that came after I quit playing hockey. At, uh, at, uh, when I quit being serious about hockey, um, the skateboard career came into play. And um, so, you know, I don't regret it. I don't regret it. But sometimes I wonder how life would have been a little different if I would have went and played pro hockey in New York and what would have, what would have happened after that. Uh, so, you know, I don't really have regrets, though, because, you know, we, we go through hard times. I'm, I'm very open and honest about, about my recovery and my drinking, and, and I don't regret that because that uh, seeing, the, seeing the gutter uh, caused me to fall in love with who I am today, and it was one of the best things that have ever, ever happened to me. And, and some of the things that, uh, looking back, might have been a little bit of a rough, rough patch, uh, they help uh, mold me into who I am today. So if you're going through a rough time, you know, it, it sucks. I'm not going to say it's fun, and I'm not going to say you're going to have, you know, it's all bells and whistles or whatever. But when you get through it and you make it through, uh, you you are such a, a, a different person and oftentimes um, a better person, very oftentimes. So thank you very much, Katie, for that question. Thank you, Georgie. I didn't thank you. Thank you for that question about um, starting a podcast. Uh, you know, a question came up on here uh, from Owen Neighbors, and it says, what is your best accomplishment? Um, I got that question, a similar question, from David uh, via Messenger, and it was, um, what trick was most memorable? 
And so I'll answer them both. Dave asked what the most memorable trick was, and uh, there's a few. But one of the ones that was most memorable, and it almost won me some money, too. Uh, I was in, uh, I think it was 2003, I was doing the NBC Mobile Skate Park series, and we were in Cincinnati. Um, And it was awesome. I mean, uh, they invited, like, the top 10 guys from the Midwest down there and TV cameras everywhere right on the water and it was a best trick contest you had uh, 40 minutes to do the best trick you could um, I I had been hitting this uh, big like ski jump that was built for BMX guys and I was uh, doing a trying to do a heel flip uh, flip my board grab it over the whole thing and it was nobody else was jumping that on a skateboard and uh, I had tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I never made it during the 40 minutes. And I believe Christian Svitak from Black Label fame maybe won that weekend, but I am not even kidding. It was like three minutes past the deadline, and there's, I don't know, thousands of people like watching this thing. And, uh, and the guy announcing was this guy, Shrugi, who, who people in the skateboard world know. He was announcing, and I'm like, Shrugi, I'm going to do it right now, dude, like this for you. And uh, and I did it. I, I heel flip indeed this whole like ski jump thing. The crowd goes nuts. I throw everything into the crowd, and I I I just went ballistic. And that's probably one of my favorite single trick moments um, in my career. And it got me nothing except actually I take that back because on TV most of the time they were showing that. And not the winning trick. So, uh, but that day was cool, and and I it was a great feeling to for myself to accomplish that because um, it was freaking huge and it made my day. So that's probably the single biggest trick uh, I had ever done. And as far as greatest accomplishment, um, uh, I I hinted at it earlier, and I'll say my greatest accomplishment in life is is falling in love with myself in a very healthy way and being okay with the skin I, I live in because I spent a lot of years not enjoying myself. And, um, and so being okay when I get out of the shower in the morning uh, and looking in the mirror and being okay with the person looking back at me. And I don't want to get all choked up and emotional, Owen, because um, Owen Neighbors asked that question, what is my greatest accomplishment? And I think that has to be, uh, has to be the greatest thing because... Um, because the first, you know, 40-some years of my life, I, I really wasn't a big fan of myself. And so uh, I think that's my greatest accomplishment. Um, but I'm, let's, you know, I'm not going to get all emotional on you guys. I'm just trying to act, answer honestly. Um, so let's see. Ba-ba-ba. Michael Hall asks, what's the best way to get yourself sponsored and noticed? What's up, Jeremy? Jeremy Sladovnik's on here. John Ryan Zander. What's up, Zander? Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, The best way to get yourself sponsored and noticed. Today's a a little bit of a different landscape than when I was coming up because I never really sent out a lot of videos. Um, I traveled a lot. I traveled a lot, and I skated with a, a lot of different people. Uh, skate a lot of different skate parks, a lot of different backyard ramps, different contests, and, and became friends with everybody. I loved what I was doing, and, and people could see that. They could see I was having a great time, and I was having fun, and I was, I was passionate about riding a skateboard. And it, it was, regardless of what tricks were going on or what was happening, I was, I was really enjoying myself. 
And I think that goes a long way versus your your uh, bucket of, of tricks. It goes a longer way when when you can really elicit passion and love for what you're doing, regardless of what it is. Nowadays, you know, everybody's putting clips online and doing this and doing that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I still will say, you know, the way I did it which is getting in the car and going and traveling. When when people would come through town, different teams, I would go and skate with them and meet them, and we'd become friends, and they're like, we're going to Chicago next. Uh, and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to Chicago next. you know. And that happened um, in 97. Uh, a gentleman named Chris Markovich, um, Charlie Wilkins, Tim Broch, who is amazing and he isn't with us anymore, they came through town with an AD- AWH demo, and we just we hit it off. We all got along. We were skating good, and they're like, we're going to Chicago next. And I said, you know what? I'm going to drive home get my bag and I will meet you in Chicago. And I drove home from Kalamazoo, got my bag and drove straight back to Chicago. And so because I loved what I was doing and it it was, it was, it was where I wanted to be. I was willing to make those long drives to make those sacrifices to be there. And it wasn't really a sacrifice at the time. I was, I was ecstatic because you know, these guys who I looked up to are asking me to go to the next city with them. So get out there, meet people, uh, skateboard, lo- have a good time doing it, and, and, and people will notice you. They will notice you. And being a sponsored athlete, you're representing a brand, whatever that is. If it's a shoe company or a clothing company or a board company, you are their representative out there. They are giving you free stuff to represent their product and their brand. And if you're having fun and enjoying it and stoking everybody around you, you know, that's what they're looking for. So that that would be my best advice. Let's see what we got here. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> you have to love yourself before you can truly love others. That is very, very, very true. Um, you have to do that. You have to, you have to be okay with who you are. And then it just radiates. It, it just radiates out there. And you are very welcome, Michael. Thank you for chiming in, my brother. Thank you very much. Um, I got some funny questions here. Some funny questions were messaged over. Uh, let's see. Question from my wife. <laughs> when did you know what your passion in life was? What you were called to do in life. I still don't know. I still don't know what I'm called to do. You know, I try to stay out of my own way and go with the flow a little bit. And, you know, I think I'm called to inspire people and, and bring stories of other, other people to as many people as possible. So that everybody that sees this show, either through Facebook or through NRM or wherever there's some story, some message that resonates with them to be a better version of themselves, to be the best versions of themselves. And I think maybe that's my calling. I I don't know how that happened. You know, that wasn't me in my 20s. Definitely, it wasn't me in my 20s. I didn't think that was happening. I just wanted to live fast, die young, and leave a good-looking corpse, as James uh, Dean says. Um, But I think I'm still finding it. You know, I'm I'm still... uh, 
got so many irons in the fire. If it's with Purple Heart Clothing or riding my skateboard or doing this show for you guys, you know, I have quite a few irons in the fire, and I just keep trying to give my all at each and every one of them uh, and see what opportunities happen next. And um, so I, I don't know. I don't even know if I found my passion yet. You know, skateboarding was uh, is still something I love. And I'll say I'm I'm 100% passionate about it, but my calling on this planet, I'm, I'm not. I'm still unsure what that is, what that is. But um, let's see. <laughs> I was asked what is uh, my best video game, uh, and I'm not a gamer. I am not a gamer at all. Um, I, I like playing Guitar Hero. I love Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, but it was funny because when I used to play it, I would only do tricks that I could do in real life, you know? <laughs> and it would sometimes tick people off. They're like, dude, you can do blah, 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 720s, 900s, all this stuff. And I'd be doing inverts and, and you know, like frontside kickflips or something. You know, I'd be doing tricks I love. So I'm not really a gamer, and I think... Um, Xbox was uh, the Guitar Hero, Tony Hawk thing. So uh, I like to play reality. People would always ask me, you know, in different, at different demos, you know, they'd have video game systems and skate shops, and, and we'd play for a minute. I'm like, this is cool, but I would lose interest pretty quickly. I'm like, let's go play reality. Like, let's go really do this thing. And, and so I like, to, I like to live in reality, and video games are, are a good time waster maybe for 15, 20 minutes, but then I'm over it. So I'd have to say X Games or Xbox, um, that, um, that would have to be it. But that's really the only one I ever, I ever really uh, played. But what other questions we got up here? What is your favorite skateboard graphic of all time? That is a tough question. Uh, that is a very tough question because there are so many classics. Uh, the classic Jason Jesse graphic is iconic. Uh, the very first Bill Danforth, not the first one, no, the first one on Madrid, the first Danforth graphic on Madrid was the Misfits with the Germs circle, but the, the iconic three circles filled with skulls, that Danforth graphic is amazing, truly amazing. Um, Neil Blender, you, you really... You know, the coffee break and then the double head ones. A good friend of mine, um, Jason Navarro, had um, brought that board to our session last night. And it was blown out. And he gave it to Johnny Laser, the graphic. Um, I don't know if that was the second or third blender graphic. But that one's classic, too. So I don't know if I could pick just one um, of my favorites. But I, I, if I had to, I'd probably go with the Jason Jesse King Neptune graphic. I like that one. And I like Jim Phillips, who drew the graphic. Uh, he was a cool guy, too. Uh, let's see. From uh, my buddy, Johnny D. What's up, Johnny? Thank you for tuning in. If you could be a superhero, which one would you be and why? Uh, I'm a fan of Batman. Uh, I like Batman. He he didn't have any special powers, and he worked really hard. And I like his whole like Batman Begins, the journey. I've read the books, and and I I like his story. Uh, so if I had to pick one that was there, probably Batman. But I will tell you the best superpower, and I don't even remember where this came from, but um, it is the P touch. And if you could have any superpower, think about that. Like if you had to go to the bathroom, you could touch the person next to you. Beep. And you wouldn't have to go to the bathroom anymore, and they would. So superpowers, the P-Touch. I think that would be epic to have that one. Uh, Let's see. Looking up there. (laughs) Uh, I got a thank you message from Nessie called uh, for a sticker I had given her. Um, 
Let's see. How does it make you feel when you think about uh, the things you have overcome in life? And that's from a friend of mine named Svi, and he is a uh, rabbi. And so how does it make you feel when you think about the things you have overcome in life or overcame in life? Um, I don't really think about them, Svi. Uh, you know, I, I, they were hurdles that I had to get over. You know, and I did, and and I think it just uh, in my subconscious or or um, you know in my conscious mind, getting through some of those tough times has helped me realize that I can get through anything. That nothing is ever that bad, and in impermanence, um, which is a, a very much a Buddhist philosophy, nothing is permanent. No matter if it's great or if it's horrible, it's not gonna last. You'll get through it. And so I, I, I don't really think about it that much. But I hear the music. So that is the end of our first uh, 25 minutes. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. So stick with me here. Stick with me. I'm going to come back. I see Kevin Watson with a question. Um, I see Owen with another question. So stick with me. I'll be off for about five minutes, and I'll be right back with you live. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Drop-In. And uh, I'm Gerald Valley, and this is The Drop-In. Save.